episode 24 of The Pop Blast. I'm Cheryl. I'm Bobby. And I'm still Andrew. And we have another fun show that uh, we've been away for a little while, so we have a lot to catch up on. <laughs> yes, we have been away for we're not quite dead. some time. No, we're not dead. We're not dead. It might have felt like it when we were gone for a little while, but... But it was it was con season, and life happened. And Mostly just life happened. There were some illnesses, there were some other things. Yeah, there were some... It, it was a lot that came down <laughs> right there at the same exact time, so it just kind of threw us off schedule. There were also we... dragons that needed to be fought, so... That too. Yeah. So Andrew was away slaying dragons. Yeah. Yeah. But, but we're back. We're back. We're back and on track. So there's a lot of things to talk about. Dragon Con happened. That uh, may or may not be where a lot of the dragons were slayed, but that was exciting this year. Dragon Con is always fun, and you never really know what's going to happen there. You don't ever really know what's going to happen there. Or what you might see. But you definitely everything to see happens probably after nine in the evening. And by that you mean you see everything. 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 <laughs> well, I would have to say that, that at least on Saturday, it was the day of butts, because there were a lot of butts out on Saturday. There, there was an awful lot of butts on Saturday. It was more than usual. Actually, this whole convention was more butts. Than, it was bootylicious. Yeah, there was a lot yeah. of like, there was a lot of butts. I, I do feel like Sunday, it, it was very tame, but Saturday especially, I noticed that there were a lot of butts. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I, it was male and female butts. There was yeah. a quit, there was even amount of yeah. butts. There wasn't just like female butts or just male butts. It was equivalent. We even saw a butt out in the middle of the vendor area we did like, we did just totally like on what like on sunday yeah sunday like afternoon actually no i think that was monday it was on a weird day it was definitely a weird day to feel like to see a butt um because there was not many cosplayers on that day mm -mm. no but i guess i guess for whatever it is there was a memo about dragon con this year that have your butt out and it just uh yeah. It completely went over our heads. Yeah, we missed it. I forgot we missed, to... We missed the memo, so. I forgot to yeah. have my butt-out clothing. <laughs> I, I didn't get the notice in the mail. I, I didn't get an email. I just didn't know about that. But talking about the convention, other than just the butts <laughs> and, and the costumes that you can see, I, I actually really liked... I don't think they... Did they do that arcade thing no, last year? I don't think the arcade thing was there last year. And and that's what I was going to say is I really liked the way they had. So it seems like they've been getting the vendor floor, you know, better and better every year. Oh, yeah, for sure. But this year was the first year when I was that it that they took the artist alley and put them upstairs. They were on the third floor. I think it was. I think that's right. Because they're normally... But you know me, I don't know what floor I'm on when no, you... Like. No, I know that. But I mean, <laughs> they finally moved them over to where the rest of the vendors are. And so that yeah, was... Yeah, they were like they're, mixed. Because they're normally over where the art show is. And they removed them from that. So that was nice. Yeah, like completely separate. Like mm -hmm. we're in the one... They're in the one uh, hotel a lot of times. Yeah, they're in the Hyatt. The they're in the groups. Hyatt. And for if you've never been to DragonCon, DragonCon really kind of takes place in three different hotels. It takes place, there's this Hyatt in Atlanta, Georgia, a Hyatt Regency, which is attached to a Marriott Marquis, which is then attached to a Hilton. But, and so there's all attached by these Skyway bridges. And so, so it's not your traditional convention center. It's not a convention center. center or anything like that. But it, 
if you can get to the Atlanta area. But I really, really like that they did the arcade thing. I really like the arcade. It was all free, too. So they brought in a whole bunch of these arcades, like old ones, and some really, really old, like old sh- original Street Fighter. Yeah, they had the original. Well, not the exact Street original. Street Fighter 2. They had Street Fighter 2. Oh, that's what it was. But it was before Cammy and all of them came into it. So it yes. was the it was just Saget. 12 players? Yeah, there was just the 12 players. It wasn't, so it's not the original when you could only pick the first eight in Street Fighter 2. It was the one right after that. Still some really old stuff. Very old stuff there. I was playing a lot of Mortal Kombat 2. Mm-hmm. And so you were you were doing pretty well. I was doing okay, and then this other guy came, and he, and just, he just destroyed everyone. He was awesome. Kicked everybody's butt. <laughs> it didn't matter what character he selected, he just he destroyed you. every move for every character. Yeah, it was, it was kind of awesome. Like, it felt like old school arcade when you would get your ass handed to you. Next. Yeah. Okay, next. So. <laughs> That's kind of how it was. But, you know, on that vendor floor area, I would like to see them expand it by one more floor. Because I still feel like on Saturday, the vendor area, especially on the first floor, gets a little crowded. So it would be nice to see them expand it to like three floors of vendors and maybe the very fourth floor, which I think they were using for programming this year, if they could put vendors there. I think that would be great. I think that would be like the perfect setup. It'd also be kind of awesome if they could put somebody, a couple people in the middle to keep traffic moving so that people are like, hey, right here in the middle of all these people is a good spot to just stop and look through my backpack or yeah that would (laughs) that that would work and at san diego comic-con they do that they'll have people that are like all right keep moving keep moving keep moving and i noticed a few places here at dragon con they did that they do it primarily between the hotels yeah yeah exactly so it i agree it would have been nice for them to have done that this year there's always next year yeah i mean other than the vendor floor getting a little crowded on saturday I think they handled Dragon Con pretty well. Yeah, I think the sheer volume of people there, they handled it pretty well. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like it's getting bigger and bigger every year. Do we want to address the controversial costume that got a lot of attention in the media, but... They weren't actually attendees, so I don't even feel like we should address it. Okay. Oh, I don't know about that. It's pretty bad. Yeah, basically, somebody took it upon themselves to dress up as the Twin Towers oh. on fire with dolls hanging out of it. And basically they were trolling the event. I mean, it takes some serious balls to troll the event that way. They didn't have any badges or credentials for the event, but it went all over like the media. And they even interviewed some actual attendees who were had seen the costume and were upset about it. And then there was also some other bad press, but it was relating to the parade which actually is open to the public so those things that happen in the public it's not really indicative of attendees usually conventions are one of the safer places that you can be as far as you know people being kind to one another and generally just getting along and yeah i mean it's a shame when there's people that come and do ugly things to try to tarnish Mm-hmm. a specific name but well, i mean it's they, they're probably also like youtubers that are craving attention so they'll do whatever they have to do yeah i mean you know it, who knows what they were but it was nice to find out that they weren't actual attendees of the they convention were like westboro baptist types yeah i mean that's the thing like Dra- dragon con there's parts of it that because of the nature of where it takes place because where you go and get food is the peach tree center for those who haven't been to dragon con mm-hmm. 
and that's pretty much open to the public. And obviously, the streets of Atlanta are open to the public. So, you know, people can mix themselves into yeah, that's the kind regular... of the downside of not having it in a convention. Is yeah, like... but the upside yeah, to having it not in a convention center is Dragon Con has the best convention food because it isn't just crappy convention food. Well, because you can go out and get something, but... True. Except for, and both Andrew and I got victim to this, is $6 Papa John pizza. Yes, because not Holy only is it $6 pizza, but it is Papa John's pizza, which is like <laughs> eating, it's just basically putting something in your stomach. That's not food. That's basically what they're there for, to pay $6 to put something in your stomach because it's super late. And they know that there's a bunch of people at DragonCon that have been drinking, so they'll pay $6 for crappy Papa John's pizza. Well, like, I was like, man, I am starving. I need to go get something to eat when I got mine. And usually when that happens, the thing that I eat is, like, the best thing I've ever had. But, like... <laughs> it still wasn't? It, it still wasn't. It was like, hey, this is food. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Well, it didn't look super appetizing, but, man, they were making a killing off of all those oh, drunk man. people. Oh, yeah, yeah they, they were they... charging you uh, the same price as one piece of a whole pie. See, and you were, you were both sober, so you knew you were getting ripped off. But had you been drunk at the time of purchase, you might have been like, well, $6, fine. Take all my money. <laughs> oh, how many for two slices? <laughs> was there any cool costumes that anybody saw i enjoyed the one of my favorites was the roy from don't hug me i'm scared which i don't know if bobby and cheryl have gotten a chance i did send you guys a link to it but oh uh, yeah no we haven't watched that yet okay so you so. don't understand why i think that's hilarious that that well, was did, actually there you did explain a little bit about um that it's kind of like a a satire on like the whole sesame street thing yeah yeah so we, we have a little bit of background on it but that was kind of a, you know, like, I feel like, is it wildly popular or you'd have to kind of be in the know about that to catch on to that? It's pretty popular? obscure. It had a um, the first two episodes. They, they did two episodes and then they did Kickstarter for the remaining four episodes, from what I understand. I didn't know anything about the Kickstarter. I found out about it when they released episode four. Uh, if you talk to a few people, every once in a while you'll run to somebody who, who knows about it. Well, that's cool. I mean, it's always fun when you see something that, you know, may not be recognized by everyone, but if you know it, it, it just is kind of more exciting. Yeah. When you come upon it. There was a lot of good ones. I mean, there was Han Solo Cup, which I remember <laughs> seeing, I think, in previous years, some creative stuff, you know, when you see people who uh, mix the, it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, the Red Solo Cup was pretty awesome. There was a uh, Tron Cloud, yeah. which was cool. Basically, like if you took a flash of him, he had all the reflective tape on it, so it would like flash right back at you. It looked really cool. Another cool one was Storm with the uh, umbrella that was the cloud. Oh, yes, yeah. that one was awesome. That. I remember that one. Pokemon was everywhere. There was there year. was uh, there were some Pokemon cheerleaders. Poke that was pretty cool. Pokemon cheerleaders for the different teams. Yep. And then there were there's the Squirtle Squad. There was an awesome Ventress that was there, too. Yeah, that was Miss Sinister. She does really awesome things every year. Yeah, her, her Star stuff Wars is themed. really awesome. Pretty darn cool. Let's... Some Twi'leks. There was, like, a Twi'lek dude. There was a... Uh... Pin-up Samus. Yeah, like, a spacesuit Samus, so... Based on an old artwork is what I had heard. Yeah, it was pretty cool. There was a lot of... I mean, that's that's the awesome thing about Dragon Con is you, you see a lot of creative costumes. 
you see a lot of people go and you know mash up a lot of different things or they just kind of go all out for that convention so you know the other thing i saw a lot of this year was stranger things cosplays there was a lot of stranger things very popular this year those were really a lot of people carrying egos yes A a lot of people cosplaying as 11 or uh, some version of Winona Ryder. Or just some people are cosplayed as just the wall with all the Christmas lights. Yeah. Yeah. Some t-shirts with just the Christmas lights on there. Yeah, that that was some of my favorite. I mean, especially because Stranger Things just came out. Or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, just recently came out. And so, of course. And that was, that took off. That show went crazy. Yeah. Netflix original. Mm-hmm. And we all got a chance to watch it. So, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. And the crazy thing is that... It's supposed to take place during the 80s, but it has such a, like, even, like, the there's, like, a film grain effect to the show. Yeah. And I, definitely that intro is so 80s. Oh, the they, intro they is, nailed it. the intro is awesome. Everything about the intro is awesome. But I do, I, it's like, I remember when I was starting to watch it, and I said to Cheryl, I was like, there's just something weird about it. And then I figured it out, is that. They were, it's HD, obviously, because everything's HD, but it's like filtered in a way to still make you feel like it's the 80s. Like, it's like a fade, like or, a fade or the colors are just a little muted and everything. So it's kind of like you feel like you're watching this on an older television in some ways. But obviously it needs to be HD because mm-hmm. we don't really want to watch something from the 80s anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I, that I loved. I loved the introduction. It's it's pretty suspenseful. If you haven't watched it, I would give it a recommend. High recommend. Definitely. You are wasting your time if you're not watching it right now. And then it's it's only eight episodes, and it will take three of those. It only took three to get me like, oh, I'm going to watch the rest of these tomorrow. Yeah. And I, I came home, I watched the rest of them tomorrow. And they already <laughs> gave it a green light for the next season, right? Yep, they already released a trailer for the next season. With the titles of each episode for next season. Oh, they did? I didn't even see the titles. Yeah, that's what was popping up on the screen for um, oh. the trailer. Those were the oh, titles. Oh, cool. Yeah, I knew they released the trailer. I honestly just never even watched the trailer yet. So no. It's normally not fun for me either when a show is like... Like, you're completely lost at the very beginning because I was, you know, you're trying to, like, figure out what the heck is going on. Like, what's going to be the this plot line? Is it aliens? Are they, like, totally, you know, like, I don't know. I'm just glad they didn't, they don't, they don't completely explain everything. Like, they don't have that one character that just figures everything out They're like oh this is why this happened that's where this thing came from that's why it exists and now there's no mystery yeah you mean they don't they don't have your big data dump there's nobody there that get it's no. there's not like a half an episode spent on exposition just trying to catch you up to things no, yeah you're literally in the same place as the characters like just trying to like you're getting freaked out it, you just gotta deal with the situation at hand because like yeah one of my favorite episodes is one, the one where um, they try to set up a trap for the the demigorgon, and the old boyfriend shows up. Yes, yeah, that was one of my favorite episodes. That was good. I liked it too because you're like, "What are you doing here? You're ruining the plan. Yeah. They have a plan, and you're ruining it, and you don't even know it." <laughs> <laughs> and like, he's trying to do a nice thing too. He's yeah. there. And obviously, we're spoiling this stuff. Some of this stuff. These are minor spoilers, but right. But yeah, he he's sitting there ruining the plan, and 
and he's trying to be a nice guy. He's actually trying to be honorable, you know, after not being honorable previously. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he completely like ruins the plan. Not not completely ruins the plan, but it's a good show. I'm excited that they have another season coming up. Yeah, and at first Cheryl is like, I don't want to watch this. This is gonna be scary. I know. This this is gonna be <laughs> scary. Like, so, but if you haven't watched it yet and you want to watch it and you don't like scary things, it's not scary. It's more suspenseful. Like it, they definitely are setting it up to feel scary, but it's mostly there to just keep you at the edge of your seat. And I feel like for the most part, I would say that the suspense becomes less and less as the season goes on. It starts very suspenseful, but I think the height of the suspense is that third episode. I think that's the hook to get you in. You know what I mean? It's very suspenseful at the beginning because that's the hook Yeah. to get you to want to watch more episodes. Oh, yeah, to want to continue devouring it. What, what do you think, Andrew? I, yeah, I feel like it's more of a mystery than it is like a, a horror-type situation. Like some people have said, you know, there's a monster in it, but it's it's not really like a like a horror. Like, yeah, it kind of does mess up some people in it, but... It's it's that's not the focus of it. Uh, we still don't even I don't even really know what that thing was actually trying to do. No, that's left up to the imagination until they go to season two and try to explain some of the stuff to us. Hopefully not. Like we said, a, a huge data dump because that would just ruin it. I don't know. I feel like they they probably have this all planned out. Yeah. Right. Oh, I mean, I would imagine. I hope so. I, I imagine it's like fringe where they kind of like let little pieces go here and there. Yeah. Well, I mean, definitely the way that the episode wraps up, it's clear that they have a plan because there's there's definitely things going on that you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's happening? We're not going to address this right now? Yeah, we're not addressing it. What, what's going on? This is clearly bad. Yeah, they know how to hook you in for the next thing, which is good. But man, I, I just got to give a, a round of applause that I'm not going to actually clap my hands. But Netflix original programming is just getting better and better and better. It just... It is true. Like, I didn't know I wanted Stranger Things, but then it came out, and I wanted it. You know what I mean? Like, their stuff is so good. It is the direction that TV is is moving. It's moving away from traditional. Oh, yeah. Because traditional TV sucks. Yeah, and there's oh. way too many commercials. But you know what? I know this isn't on our list to discuss, but since we pretty much wrapped up our Stranger Things, right? Yeah. We, we all recommend it. It's all good? Yeah. Okay. Well, Supergirl just came on Netflix. Oh, yeah. And I just started watching it, and it is fun. It is fun. Yeah, you said it was kind of like, um, it's like in the, the vein of Flash. Yeah, yeah, it's fun like the Flash. I don't know if you've seen it, Andrew. No, I haven't watched it yet. Throw it on, because I know the trailer. When that trailer first came on for Supergirl, I was like, oh, gosh, this is what they're doing for Supergirl. But it's actually really good, and it still has that quirky, fun stuff. So I'm actually excited that it is continuing, not with CBS, but with CW. I'm about four episodes in now, so I just randomly put it on. Were you liking the actress? I I liking the characters, the actress. It I like that mm-hmm. it has it's it's cheesy. It's just simple and fun. It's not like I'm I'm glad to see some of that coming back because not every episode of television has to be Arrow and really brooding. Right. Not that not that anything's wrong with Arrow. It's just I'm glad that at least some things can be happy. Like it's like a nice balance of happy shows and not happy shows i think that's a good idea it's kind of like when the dark knight first came out it's like everybody's like oh it's such a good movie and then all the people in suits were like everything needs to be like this and, mm-hmm. 
Uh, you know, it's refreshing to see something that's a little bit different. Like that, I kind of felt like I don't like the way Amazon Prime is doing it, but the the pilot of uh, of the Tick, I did want to keep watching the show, but of course, it, Amazon Prime is only putting out the pilot. But it was refreshing to see that, even though I really liked Daredevil and what the Marvel cinema or the Marvel TV universe is doing. It was refreshing to see something that didn't take itself seriously that could fall in a similar vein. That's the nice thing is this Marvel TV, I feel like, can be a little bit darker because Daredevil has been darker and Jessica Jones mm-hmm. is is darker. And I, um, based on the trailers and some of the footage that we got to see at San Diego Comic-Con, I feel like Luke Cage is going to be darker too. But because the movies are so lighthearted and fun, I feel like the TV shows can be dark. Yeah. Which is nice. And I think... You know, that's the that is the plus and minus that Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy did to DC is they were really good and they handled their darkness really good. But I feel like DC felt like, oh, well, in order for people to watch our stuff, we got to make everything super dark. Yeah. And that's some of the issues people have had with any of the DC movies. But we're not talking about DC movies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, movie season is pretty much over, you know, with all the summer blockbusters and everything. But there was a movie that came out most recently that has a little niche group of fans that I think it had some sort of controversy as to critics when they reviewed the movie. And that's The Kingsglaive, the Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy Fifteen Kingsglaive. <clears throat> yeah. Yes, Cheryl and I got a chance to actually go and see it in theaters so like the first thing i notice is on rotten tomatoes there's a lot of critic reviews about kingsclave and immediately they point to that the film is all over the place you don't you know you don't know where you start in the film and you know there's so many things going on and you really can't figure it out all along along and basically they're saying that it's disjointed but anybody who's a final fantasy fan knows that when you start any Final Fantasy game or you're you're watching any sort of clips or uh, what do you call those little... The full motion videos that they have? Well, yeah, like the in-game, like the little... Yeah, cutscenes. Like, the cutscenes. Yeah, yeah. the cutscenes. That a lot of times when you start Final Fantasy, you are thrown into the game and you, you're figuring out, you know, kind of what the storyline is as you go along. And since 15 is is new to everybody. We don't know the story. We're not familiar. We're just getting this piece from this Kingsclave movie. That's not atypical of Final Fantasy. And if they had known that and not just been a film reviewer, but actually been a Final Fantasy fan, they may not have counted that against the movie. Well, and I, I remember talking to somebody on Facebook about this too. And I said... From a film standpoint, I can understand totally the 7% thing. You know, and also to be fair, it's not like Final Fantasy XV Kingsglaive had the same amount of reviewers reviewing it that say something like Civil War has on it. You know, it's only a handful compared to it. I can understand from a film standpoint. See, I don't know about... That's still very low. No, it's it's super low, but what I'm just saying is... When you go to the movie theater and you're a film critic, this is not the movie that you're expecting to go see. You're expecting to go see a movie which has a beginning, an end, or a beginning, a middle, and an end, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the structure of this. That's not the structure of this movie. Because the way I would describe the movie, and, and if you've watched anime, you understand this. A lot of times in anime shows, for the first six or seven episodes, you really don't understand the fullness of the story. And it's done like that on purpose. 
it's not until you get to about that episode seven or eight that you're like, oh, okay, all that stuff I've been watching is kind of making sense. You know, I don't know if that's truly just a Japanese method of storytelling, but that's kind of what it is. And what this this movie, if you're going to play Final Fantasy 15, it's a prerequisite for playing that game. Like, I, I think you should watch it 100%. I enjoyed it. You know, I, I give it two thumbs up. If you're in, entrenched in the Final Fantasy mythology, everything that's there is going to make sense to you. It was a beautiful, it was a beautiful CG movie. Super beautiful movie. And by the end of it, you really are in love with the main character of the movie. Like, you, you really like him and you feel like he had a full character development. At least that's what I felt like. Well, you're definitely rooting for him, whether or not you, you know what I mean? You kind of, he's won you over. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to me, he won me over by the end of it. Whether or not it's clear what his role is. No, no, you don't. You don't know what his clear. You don't know what his role will be in Final Fantasy fifteen per se. But as far as the movie, it's good. If you're gonna play the game, do what you can to watch this. Like I don't know. The voice acting was good. The voice acting was fantastic. I don't know so much as I've only watched the first episode of Brotherhood because I've been waiting for all of them to be out to just finish them that way. I know you've watched them. If you haven't watched them, you don't need to wait till they're all out. Like they are. They do not follow, like, a specific order, really. Unless they do something in the fifth one that magically makes them do that. Like, they have just been pretty much... Each one has a backstory to a character. Like, the first one's Noctis. The second one, I think, is Prompto. And then so on and so forth. And would you say that Brotherhood is a prerequisite for playing the game, too? Yeah, like, I don't... I think they're gonna... You're gonna be able to see that development in the game, but... At the same time, I don't think you're going to see these necessarily see these stories. Like they're they're kind of just telling you who these characters are before you actually play the game. Like so, you get a sense of like what type of personality they have, and they also explain why they have that personality and why what relation they have to Noctis. So you're going to have a better understanding of their relationship as a group. They want you vested. Yeah, they, that's what it seems like. And honestly, that's what Kingsglaive makes you feel like too. They want you invested in the entire world and the entire everything that's been going on. They want you invested in. And if Kingsglaive is an indication, I feel like Final Fantasy Fifteen is going to have a very emotional story. Like it's going to be a. Well, all signs point to that they they really are they're really backing their product. Yeah, by it, putting out all these other. And I don't know about you. Andrew, because you, so you've been the one who's watched Brotherhood. Would you feel like it's from watching those? Do you feel like it's going to be an emotional story? Like, what what is your vibe of what the game, you know, it, it, what it's telling you about the game already? Oh uh, yeah, I, I think there's going to be like like they're already really like showing that they're just deeper than like oh these characters just happen to to work for the kingdom or whatever. Like they they go into deeper detail about. Uh, what their family life is like and things like that and some of them the i will say the only thing that final fantasy 15 that i've i've witnessed that doesn't really feel that great is justice monster 5 i don't know if you've had a chance to download that this is the pinball game right yeah no i haven't it is pretty lackluster in my opinion like i played it once and i'm like i'm done i don't like they have a a cheesy little storyline in it that doesn't really have anything to do with the game because this is supposed to be a game within that game and it i'm just not for me i guess like i hate the dialogue in it and 
the gameplay is really not that fun. So like that that one that piece is a miss on my opinion. And the, oh, I should also throw out there the reason why I haven't seen Kingclave is because I lived in Atlanta, and <laughs> <laughs> it's not football, so it doesn't belong here. I guess I don't know. So weird because to me that's a metropolitan area. So it's like, such a I bigger like... city than what we have here in Florida. Right, it's a big city. You would think that it would get it, but Texas gets like five theaters that that has it, but we get nothing. That was a real big disappointment when then you couldn't see it, especially. And I guess we can just go right into the fact that we ha- we've been away for a while, so we didn't get a chance to talk about Final Fantasy 15 being delayed to mm-hmm. November 30th. I think it's especially a big bummer. Because, well, Final Fantasy XV Kingsglaive, you can down- download it now. You can buy it digitally. But if you're somebody like Andrew and myself, who bought the Mega Ultimate Collector's Edition thing that they had, we don't get it now until November 30th. <laughs> so instead of waiting a couple weeks, we get to wait a couple months. <laughs> Cheryl just asked me why. And what I'm saying is, why we have to buy the movie twice. The movie comes with the game. Yeah. With the collector's edition. That was one of the big so selling we, points. Right. And it was originally, you were only going to wait a couple of weeks for the movie after it came out on theaters. But now you're talking a few months before you actually get to watch it, even though the movie's out. The movie you can purchase digitally. So they're not going to just give it to you guys earlier because you no. walked in? Mm-mm. Because it's a physical copy that they're, you know, it's an actual Blu-ray that they're providing. Oh, and that's not what you're getting. No, we, well, no, we get an actual Blu-ray. You can buy it digitally and not have a Blu-ray, not have a disc. But of course, like, they didn't do anything for people that, you know, especially the collector's edition, what's sold out in, you know, hours. They're like, thanks for paying 300 bucks, but no, no, well, you got to wait two more months for this movie. Oh, yeah, they're definitely not hitting their benchmarks for sales goals this year. No. Well, I mean, so talking about the delay, do we think that's going to hurt the overall the sales of the game? Do we think it was the right move? What, what do we think about the delay? I mean, it's and from a sales perspective, I think it's probably going to hurt it a little bit because November is just chock full of releases. Well, and, people are getting their stuff out right for Christmas. And- yeah. And they they moved it to the end of November, which is like, all right, we'll just let everybody else put their games out, and I, just because of people's attention spans these days, I I feel like that is going to hurt them in the long run because their earlier release for September thirtieth or whatever was like right before things really started to get going for the the holiday releases. So you know they they would get that initial run and of uh, people that don't have anything better to do. Yet, like maybe when people still have like their money before they're like frantically being like ah Christmas presents ah, right. Yeah. Well, also just that I ha- November I have that coming out. I've got Pokemon Sun and Moon are coming out that month. Dishonored Two is coming out that month, and both uh, those games are coming out before Final Fantasy Fifteen. So it's like for lower budget people like. So that's going to be an expensive month. Yeah. Already. Right. And for people that don't have the money to do that, it's like, you know, there's there's other games that have already come out before this game comes out that, that, that they may have just thought, I don't have anything to play right now, so I'm going to buy this and then forget Final Fantasy because it's coming out too late. Yeah. Or pe- people might have to make the choice between that or something else you right. know, that they had pre-ordered previously. Right. Exactly. You know? And... That could be bad. I mean, for for the game itself, though, I it it 
delays are pretty much better all around because I kind of hate the fact that sometimes games are launched with, yeah, yeah, they're also launched with game breaking glitches that are patched out day one. Yeah. Oh, that puts a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Yeah. Well, and that's the main reason why this game got delayed. Basically, they didn't want to do that. Yeah. he, He came out and said there was such a huge day one patch because, you know, games have to go through certification. It takes about, six weeks to go through certification before they can be printed on disc. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the reason for the delay so that they didn't have to have this massive, I think it was like, it was in the gigs day one patch oh, that, they were, man. that they were going to be required to have on the system. And they were like, look, some people just don't have the internet connection for this. They don't, I, I think it was a smart move. It's a little bit of egg on their face because of course they had the huge final fantasy uncovered event Mm -hmm. but you know in the long run which was like we we're ready we're ready we promise yeah well especially because they trolled it remember when they were shown the september 30th date they trolled it with november 30th and then moved it up to september 30th (laughs) and now they're back down yeah now they're back (laughs) down they're they're like right back to where they were again which is like oh okay so but i'm sure they had to weigh the uh and it might actually be that decision i've been saying november 30th because it's like a round number but i actually think it's november 29th yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. And that's the one worst part, though, that is they're missing Black Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, Black Friday Which is, is huge. Yeah, it, especially huge. in the States. That's huge. That's November 25th is Black Friday this year. So missing Black Friday is a big miss. But I think in the long run, because there's so much pressure behind this game to do well, you know, they need to really, that, that they, they need to hit it out of the park. Made a, yeah, they definitely wanted to have a successful release. Yeah. Yeah, I think they made the right choice. It's just, it it kind of sucks because they're trying to get, maximize their sales, but the oh, release date isn't really, isn't really good for that. No, no, it, it, it is a little stinky. Especially because I was planning, like, I was already planning in my mind, okay, to take some uh, days off of work to just spend 100% of my time playing nothing but Final Fantasy XV. So, guess I'll have to move that to November 30th, Christmas time frame. I'm hoping that I still get it. I hope that I get it the day that it comes out, because when I originally made the order, I had put it for, I think I did maybe three days. I didn't do, like, the, the cheapest shipping, but... Like I wanted to change it to the next day shipping because I know by the time that it finally comes out, I'm going to want it that day. But yeah. uh, I contacted Square Enix's site, and they're like, "Nope, nothing we can do." It's like, wow. Well, yeah, their their <laughs> site their site is always bad for shipping. But when I have ordered something in the past from them, they if you've pre ordered it in a a good enough time, meaning that's like you know, months in advance, like obviously we did with the collector's edition, you are normally in the clear for getting your, you know, your game on release date. True. I, I think, I think theater rhythm, I pre-ordered that and that actually came like two days earlier. Yeah. They normally do a, they do ship it out early so that it, you know, it, their goal is to get it to you on release date, but if it comes early, that'll happen as well. You know, and plus we've been waiting this long. I can wait a few more days if it, for whatever reason, doesn't get delivered exactly on time. I, I'll have other games to play as well, because on top of the two I mentioned, The Last Guardian comes out in October. Hopefully that doesn't get shifted. Yeah, no, I, let's hope that's another <laughs> one that's been, you know, people have been waiting forever for, so let's hope as well. Well, another announcement that was made 
recently was about PlayStation, the PlayStation 4 Pro. Did you guys have a chance to watch that streaming meeting at all? Or I, I did, and I feel like it could have been summed up in an email instead of an hour-long presentation. <laughs> yeah. it, t- it takes me back to the days of uh, my previous job. It was an unfortunate... I mean, so half the event was talking, you said PlayStation 4 Pro, but there was also the PlayStation 4 Slim released as well during that event. And the sad thing is the Slim had already been reviewed because it leaked, right? Yeah. It leaked to the public. And I'm pretty sure now, because we saw Resident Evil 7 at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, that And and we got to play it. I'm pretty sure that was the PlayStation 4 Slim that we saw in the room because... We asked the lady when they were demoing, we're like, what is that? And she's like, oh, that's the PlayStation. And we're like, that's the PlayStation? Because it was like the size of a mouse pad or <laughs> small. I mean, it was, it was really just a little. really little thing. And we're like, that's the PlayStation? And I was like, oh, okay, so that's the new PlayStation that's coming out. I don't know whether she was supposed to say that to us or what, but when we were trying the VR uh, Resident Evil 7 experience, that's what it was on. And Sorry for selling you out, lady. Yeah. <laughs> we won't use your name because we don't know your name. <laughs> yeah, so um, I actually tuned in online. There was like a streaming chat of people that were logged in under their PlayStation accounts, and they were uh, chatting back and forth on that. And I don't think, Bobby, you got a chance to see that when you were streaming. No, I was watching it through <laughs> YouTube. So there was a lot of conversation between PlayStation owners on there that, okay, so what's the big deal about PlayStation Pro? It's going to be, you know, 4, 4K and HD. And so what? Um, Xbox is already there. They've already done all of that. But then the argument back was that, okay, so great. Xbox has already done this, but there's no games for Xbox. Or at least not the games that the PlayStation owners are looking for well also the scorpio's not coming the pro's coming out before the scorpio which is the one that has the 4k in it so the xbox one like even though they're going to get the 4k the the version that's doing that isn't even going to be out when the playstation pro comes out yeah the the xbox that's interesting because microsoft immediately after that event i follow on twitter they immediately tweeted about their you know their competition <laughs> yeah what they were tweeting one of the big things that i heard about the playstation 4 pro is it's not going to play 4k blu-rays and i know microsoft really picked up on that because the xbox one s mm-hmm. will play 4k blu-rays and i think that's a miss right now on the playstation pro side the only thing that it isn't necessarily a miss is that even though i'm not necessarily a fan of it blu-rays are a dying thing and I don't think 4K Blu-rays are really going to become adopted. By that time, everyone will move on to streaming. It's just, that's what's happening. I agree. The, mar- the marketplace is saying that that's what's happening, and that's what's going to happen. I know I feel like I don't need to have the box anymore. I mean, the, the problem is, is even though that's happening, the reason why people that will argue about discs is, you know, you still can't stream that much content without being compressed over the wire. It's just, I don't think people care anymore. I, I think that's that's where we are and that's what's happening. Um, I, I mean, I still I think... I want to downsize my life, damn it. <laughs> I still think a 4K Blu-ray is still going to give you the better experience, but I, I think they see the writing on the wall and it's one of those things like, okay, let's keep the console cheaper and not include that. I think the big thing that's being missed, and this is hard for Sony to talk about, 
because how do you show this? Is most people don't have 4K televisions. Right. They're not going to run out and buy 4K televisions for your console. Right. Because we saw how that worked with 3D and the PlayStation 3. Remember that? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That, that, that was a, a bust, too. Aren't we supposed to learn from the past? Well, but the, the other thing that it's going to do is it's going to work better on the HDR, which, well, everything's going to have the HDR upgrade. But most people don't have HDR stuff either. I think the big piece that was missed in all of this stuff, and it, and it might just been Sony not doing a good job communicating it mm-hmm. during the, the, the presentation, because I, I'm in the same boat as Andrew. I was like, well, that was exciting, but it probably could have been summarized much faster. I mean, it was only an hour long, and it it still felt like it could have been done in 15 minutes. I was still watching the credits because I was like, there's got to be more to this, right? (laughs) And then they were like, no, now we're going to repeat the... I was like, wait, what? One of the things is, and again, I I can't remember where I read this from, but take it with a grain of salt. But I read that basically the the PlayStation 4 Pro is like a 200% CPU, you know, basically power increase over the current PlayStation 4. Like the thing that keeps getting lost in the woods is this is a extremely powerful upgrade. But this is like kind of what you've been saying all along about the future of consoles. This will be an upgradable console. Yeah, I, I feel like the future of consoles is they're just going to keep upgrading. You, you know, think like, this is the final iteration? We basically. might be because they're just CP. They're just compute. They're just PCs now. They're basically just PC architects. I just feel like they're going to keep upgrading and upgrading and upgrading and upgrading. And I hope that's the case so we, all of our games just continue to keep being backwards compatible. But the Which, ma- that would be good. The major thing that keeps getting missed is it is a huge performance upgrade to the PlayStation 4 Pro. And I know people are talking about, well, the Scorpio, the Microsoft Scorpio, is going to be the like best thing since sliced bread. But the thing that I'm not sure if that's the case is because they still have to keep it price competitive. Because I truly think the days of $600 launch consoles are over. Because oh, I, yeah. I don't think the market can sustain it. I mean, the biggest thing that hurt the Xbox One when it came out was it being priced at $499 because they included the Kinect and no one bought it. You know, it, it didn't start getting bought big numbers when it got its price reduction and they removed the Kinect from it. I just think the days of, you know, what, what was the PlayStation 3, Andrew, when it first well, came out? Think the 600. Wii you can yeah. think the Wii and... Mostly the Wii for for do, for changing the mindset there. Well, that, but also I think it's the mobile phones. the The smartphones is what's changing what people because you are upgrading your phone every two years. You're not upgrading your consoles, and so I think that's what's making them have to iterate faster with the consoles, but also keep them cheaper. You could be right because I, I mean there it, could be something to that. Also, you got to think that. To develop a game for a new system, a completely new system, you have to train the programmers to hop onto that mindset. Because like jumping from like the PlayStation One to the PlayStation Two was apparently a nightmare, and so was going on to the PlayStation Three. Right. But like keeping everything like they're still basically doing the same thing. They're just they have the option to use more power, basically. I'm happy with the PlayStation 4 Pro's upgrades. I don't necessarily, you know, I was hovering over the pre-order button on Amazon for a while, but I didn't, I never pre-ordered it. Um, It's definitely going to affect the sales of the Slim, I think. I mean, at this point, if you don't have a PlayStation 4, I would buy a Pro over a Slim. There's just no hesitation. (laughs) Do not buy a PlayStation 4 Slim. Unless your PlayStation 4 current is breaking, Mm -hmm. 
do not buy one. Just There's get no the pro. There's no that, reason. Yeah. Spend the $100 and just get the better upgrade. Because eventually they, they will start making games that don't work on that original. Yeah. Just like apps. They, they make apps that don't work on the original like iPad and such. Right. I know yeah. they say that that's not going to be the case, but I don't I don't think that's the case. It's going to happen eventually because there's no yeah. reason to force developers to to constrain their the, the, whatever they're developing their games to Right. Speaking of apps, right? A huge deal. Another announcement that was made during the Apple iPhone presentation. They are now going to have Mario for iOS. Super Mario Run. That's huge. That's big. That's a huge, huge. I mean, huge. I think that has probably crossed people's minds so many times since since the iPhone. Like, why can't I play Mario? Mario any um, version of uh, Mario game? And we, and we should say here. it's coming to iOS first. You know, this will be coming to Android, but it's oh, most iOS. definitely. I think most definitely everybody will be playing it. Yeah, it's but it's it's big. What are, are you? What, are, what do you think, Andrew? about Super Mario Run. I think it's big. I think that they're a little late for doing a paid app because so many apps are free now that, you know, like I, I could understand maybe like two or three years ago jumping on this, but I, I'm still going to get it. But that's because I'm already a Nintendo fan. Like the whole reason they, they did this was to, you know, get this younger generation that's not mm-hmm. picking up the 3DS yep. right, to understand who Mario is because they realize they're losing the ground with, yeah, absolutely. The younger audience. I agree. You, see, there's this is the one thing that I'm happy about with it being a paid app because you're absolutely right. They're a, they're late to the party with making it a paid app because everything is a free app within app purchases or microtransactions. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that is hampering the mobile game space. It's because every game is some microtransaction crap nowadays. Yeah. I mean, it's just littered with it. You know, I I would play. What's that Final Fantasy game we were playing? I can't I can't even remember the name right now. Uh, Record Keeper. Record Record Keeper. Yeah, I was playing that game so much. I mean, a lot. Now I never spent any money in it, or maybe I did. I might have spent like five dollars or something. I don't know. It wasn't a lot, whatever it was. But I was playing that game like crazy until the point where I just got to the point where I was like, oh my goodness, it, it's just microtransaction and luck and gambling. To a certain point that I was like, forget it. I'm just, I'm going to break playing it. Um, and, and I feel like every game is in that. Even like even Pokemon Go has the microtransactions all over the place. Like, oh, you want to lure? It's this much. You know, you just buy this many Pokecoins and, and buy this. And even though for the most part you could play it without spending a dime. And I understand the developers need to make money somehow. It's just what I'm really excited for Super Mario Run is because it's going to be paid. And it's still going to have in-app purchases as a part of it is I hope this shows game developers you can make money if you make it paid. You just have to have value there. And I think we're at the point now where the tech and the software tools are at a great, you know, at a good level where I think you can make a good experience on the iPhone or your, you know, the Android phone as well, on both of them and make it a paid for app. And I also think consumers need to come off of every app needs to be 99 cents yeah i think agreed if a game is 15 dollars, like i kind of in my mind hope super mario run is 15 dollars. like because i feel like that says to people you're gonna get a good experience Mm -hmm. you're gonna get a game worth playing Mm -hmm. 
you know, it, it's like I kind of say, I, I like playing Pokemon Go, but that's mostly because it gets me out of the office and I walk around for lunch. But if I if that was gone, I wouldn't play it anymore because I'd rather play something on my 3DS, which is a better experience. Agre- that's one of the reasons why I quit playing Record Keeper was that I'm like, I looked over at my shelf of games and I'm like, the, all those games are better than what I'm playing right now. All of them. Why am I spending any time with this game? And like, I'm hoping that, you know, I do hope that maybe this this changes things because like if you go in the app store, it's so overloaded with garbage that's just clone after clone after clone of, you know, this game's just loaded with um, with advertisements or but like I'm hoping that my, my hope is that it's not just another uh, endless runner game. Like I hope that they have something that that's feels fresh and original to it. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you. I, I'm hopeful because well, it's going to feel classic for sure. I think that's true. And Nintendo is a, they're a game changer when it comes to making new game experiences. Mm-hmm. They know and understand how to get people to play something in a way they never thought about it before. They're perfect at that. And that's what makes me really excited about Super Mario Run coming because I feel like they wouldn't have put this app on the phone unless they they really figured out a new way for you to play this. Even though in some ways it looks like that Raymond Legends game that's on the phone. Like I've heard some people compare it to that. But I feel like Nintendo has something there. Can we talk about Pokemon Go for a second? Sure. So Pokemon Go is actually going to start having a feature called Buddy Pokemon, right? Which it's releasing, or it will be will be released by the time this podcast. By the time releases. we're done, it's like talking about this. What they're saying online is it's already released. It's just waiting until people can download it. Okay, so that's a new feature where you can walk your Pokemon. Yeah, you can select a Pokemon that you already caught, and you can walk with them. And supposedly, by walking with them, you're going to be able to get candy. Of that type of Pokemon. So so that'll move things along a little faster. It, it'll let you power up Pokemon. Like, especially if you... Because it's very hard to get ha- candy in the game. It's hard to get candy because you have the only way to get it right now is to catch that certain type of Pokemon. But if you're in a specific area where it's hard to get that specific Pokemon, you have no... You're kind of screwed right Basically, now. <laughs> if you live anywhere that's not a huge city, like actually within the city, then you're screwed because you yeah, get nothing but Pidgeys. <laughs> Yeah, Pidgeys, Rattatas, Spearows. At the very, very beginning of Pokemon Go, you're really excited about Pidgeys. Oh, man. Later on. No, you're not. So, but when but you yes. drop a lure that you got for leveling up, and you're just like, man, I can't wait to see what I get, and all you get is Pidgeys, Pidgeys. Rattatas, <laughs> Weedles. You just kind of so like fun. sign like, yep, half hour of my life wasted waiting on something to pop, but nope. But also Pokemon Go Plus is coming September 16th. And I guess it's also coming to it's coming to the Apple Watch. Yep, yeah, in that same Apple event, they announced that Pokemon Go will be playable on the app. Okay, Watch I must have well. missed that. Yeah. So, but the Pokemon Pokemon Go Plus is the little device that is being developed along with like Nintendo is developing it and it'll work with the phone and I guess basically you're going to be able to keep your phone in your pocket. And it ha- you have this device on your wrist, and it'll buzz when you're close to a, a Pidgey. Stop. Yeah, yeah, when you're close to a Pidgey, <laughs> it'll buzz, and you can and you can use it to catch it. I'm not really sure if you can use it to catch it 
because it has no screen on it, so I don't really understand how you can use it to catch. It's but like, pull it, out your phone quickly. No, I think that's what it is. You have to pull out your phone. Like, it just lets okay. you know if there's a Pokemon there. It sounds pretty useless from what I read. Yeah. From- <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you. Like, when I was, like, I was interested in it. But- yeah, I was excited. I was like, oh, man, a device that helps me. And then I look at it, and I'm like, I can get the same experience from just holding my phone and walking. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, that's kind of what I thought too. They're like, you don't have, you know, this is going to help you to not have to have your phone out all the time. And I'm like, well, I already have my phone out all the time. (laughs) I I mean, it's like, it's a smartphone. Like, isn't, don't, when I walk around downtown Tampa, like everyone's got their phone out because Mm -hmm. that's what people do. They're Pokemon going. Or they're listening to music or they're browsing the internet. Did you guys know that Pokemon Go has been downloaded 500 million times worldwide since launch? Yeah. Not surprising. And we still haven't crazy. gotten the, the tracker back yet. No, we still don't have the tracker back. <laughs> Which I, I think it's never coming back. They're, they're, we're just supposed to be happy with the grass in the background of all the Pokemon now. There are some people getting that beta feature, right? The beta feature that shows the Pokemon like where they are near a Pokestop. Nobody that I've met. I've never met anybody that <laughs> I finally hasn't upgraded mine so that I can play the game because Oh, you didn't upgrade? To... No, my phone would yell at me and would say, You can't play this game until you upgrade your app. <laughs> I'm like, ah oh, damn it. And I would just close it, but I finally upgraded it. Well, one last thing we could talk about is that bloodstained ritual of the night is delayed until twenty eighteen. Do we have any feelings? Is there any emotional attachment there? Delay to 2019 for all I care. And I, I'm i backer on this, by the way. Like, I I do not care when this comes out as long as it comes out and it's good. I don't care. Like, everybody... Okay, so that's, that's not like, a negative thing. Yeah, it's not a negative thing. All, all those people that are like, oh, it's a scam. They're, they're taking our... No, no. I don't think any game has ever hit the mark that they set before they even begin production. Because there are too many variables that come up when making a game. Like, That's true. You can't predict what's going to happen. No, you can't. All good things come to those who wait. Have you heard that? Yes. I'm sure you have. The cliche, the famous. <laughs> well, and I, and I think the reason this isn't a... One, I like that they're delaying it to 2018. They're, they're not saying like, oh, we're delaying it to March 2017. Oh, we're delaying it to September 2017. Yeah, they're you reaching know, they're just, far out there. They're reaching far out there and saying, hey, it's 2018. You know, sorry. That's what's... Rather than disappoint you several times. They're just getting the next... one big disappointment. And, and they might delay beyond this original. I, I don't think we should... No, nobody should really be looking at this as a disappointment because one thing that this Kickstarter has done that a lot of other game Kickstarters haven't really done is they, they are getting a lot of feedback from the community. Because like every time they... Like the, the shader, they got, they didn't just go, oh, we're going to go with this. This is what it's going to look like. They... they put pictures out and they ask people which one they prefer. They'd show like pictures of a, a sample level area and they asked them which one, which way do you prefer this to look? So it, it's going to be slow. This game's going to be slow to come out uh, already. Just buckle yourselves in because they, they are looking for feedback from the community, which is, which is great in my opinion. And so this game's going to get a lot of polish on it, I think. Yeah. And, and I mean, I watched some of the backer videos of it, you know, people playing the demo that the backers received. And this game, I know some people, because of the delay, they're comparing it to the Mighty Number no. 9 experience. And 
We've already had our discussion about our feelings of Mighty Number no. Nine. For more about Mighty Number no. Nine, check out our previous podcast. Also, that that game had a few setbacks that that were none of its fault, but yeah, like there yeah. there there were some issues that popped up that wasn't even related to the game. That was more related to the the, the public relations side of it. Yes, and, and I think that hurt it a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think they're they're doing this, but having seen the videos of the demo. And I know you haven't had a chance to play your backer demo yet, Andrew, but looking at the video, this definitely looks like, you know, the complaints that I had, at least with Mighty Number no. 9, this, I don't have those complaints when I watch this game so far. Again, and I'm not playing it, but looking at it, I don't have issues with anything visually with what they're doing. Well, so. That's good. I think that's going to wrap it up for today's show because... I had to edit a two-hour podcast almost last time, and it nearly broke me. So so I think we're going to wrap it up here at an hour, and we'll come back next time and talk about some other cool stuff. Yes. So until then, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.